0: The following is brought to you by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. TotalSeal.com. Hidden Horsepower is back. Hey, everybody, Joe Costello here, and another episode Total Seal Piston Rings bringing you hopefully what has become one of your favorite podcasts in your podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, a lot of people writing reviews, a lot of people finding the podcast on the brand new TotalSeal.com website, totally redesigned, and the podcast is very prominently featured. Joining me as co-host on this episode, he's back, Mr. Lake Speed Jr. Lake, how are you? Doing
1: great, Joe, doing great.
0: The last time we were together, Joey Arrington was our victim. We had a great time with that one. Got a lot of positive feedback in the feed. A lot of people listening to Joey talk about blowing engines in half with nitrous oxide.
1: Oh yeah, that was. I mean, the, the picture said it all. But then, you know, of course, this is no pictures in this. But I think he did a great job of explaining, you know, what that car was like when he literally blew the engine in half. Uh, it was pretty great. Like you said on the intro, we are getting just phone call after phone call, email, comments. Uh, the, there's a lot of momentum building around the podcast. People just like the people sharing their background stories. You know, telling some fun stories along the way. A little bit of you know, kind of high tech bench racing, but it's still bench racing and and, and sharing the stories. We even have a, a brand new Facebook page for the podcast too. So if people want to follow along and catch up the latest episodes and have some discussion, there's a place they can do that too now.
0: You guys are putting the pressure on me because I open up the NHRA National Dragster. I see a full page ad for the podcast. And uh, obviously I come to this with everything I've got, because I know that everybody on this thing is smarter than I am, knows more than I am, but this is my opportunity to try to maybe pull something out for our listeners, who are probably all smarter than I am as well. And we're going to do exactly that again, but you've had a great idea this week. We're kind of going into a different direction. Dean Baker, who is the head engine builder at Joe Gibbs Racing Motocross, that racing team, so we're kind of going into a little 2 racing action but the competition is severe over there i like where you're going with this week
1: well it, it's great to have dean on one people that have listened to the episodes that i've been on know my background is you know karting that's where my dad grew up karting and that's where i started uh way before all the nascar stuff was go karting so two cycle stuff i don't know a whole lot of other guys that have gone from two cycle engines to four cycle engines and have done both At pretty much the highest level so that's why i wanted to have my buddy dean on to you know talk a little bit about that
0: well let's bring him on he is the head engine builder as i said joe gibbs racing motocross of course the coach is involved in everything and he wins in everything mr dean baker dean welcome to hidden horsepower how are you
2: hi joe Thank you for
0: having me on. No, we're thrilled. Uh, I'm at some point. I will ask you to tell us something embarrassing about Lake. Feel free to interject at any point. That's become well, a, he's got plenty of ammunition. I'm on that sure one. that's become a staple on the show. Everybody loves it. It's not even so much that I want to hear it as the audience. They want to hear it. So for their <laughs> sake, Dean, a, a, at some point. But uh, first of all, the coach talk about Joe Gibbs racing motocross and uh, the fact you started out at Factory Kawasaki and get the opportunity to work for a team, uh, for a person that is known for success in so many different arenas, whether it be the NFL, NASCAR, drag racing, and now motocross, supercross?
2: Sure. uh, Coach, you know, he's, he's done, like you said, a lot of things at the highest level and been successful at it. So when you're in his arena and he speaks, everyone's at attention. And uh, so he he commands a lot of respect and it's, it's pretty amazing just to be in his presence, to hear the way he talks. He's positive. He, He encourages people. I think he's able to get the best out of his people just being who he is. And you can, you could almost like taste the, whatever he's wanting to get from you. You're, you're all in. That's leadership. And that's a
0: big part of this. Uh, You want to stay that extra hour at the end of the day or get in a little earlier to finish a project. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got to this point before we move forward and talk about some specific racers and projects and ultimately how these engines make as much power as they do in the competitive arena that you're in, uh, at the, at some point, it all comes back to horsepower, right? But Dean, how did you get here? Tell us about your beginnings and coming up through the ranks before you got to Joe
2: Gibbs. Sure. Um, you know, as a, as a kid, you know, I got a, a mini bike and so my dad kind of fostered that, uh, love for motorcycles. He had it, um, got me into it. We raced, um, up through the ranks um, along the way, I was able to actually win a national, an amateur national championship myself. And I uh, thought I was going to continue on right into the pro ranks. Um, I, I did make that transition. Didn't really uh, have the talent to go too far. Um, made some uh, nationals pro nationals and got to the point where that wasn't uh, too much trouble to qualify and, make the motos decided that was uh, about as far as I was gonna get gonna get and uh you know went to college I uh, was thinking I, I needed to do something solid for my future and uh about a year and a half through uh, my college years uh buddy that's still racing uh raced for peak Honda uh back in 91 and uh he's like hey you want to be my mechanic I said uh shoot that sounds uh better than going to school which I always loved r- working on my bikes and uh I kind of have a, a joke for myself is that I always worked on them more than riding and I might have been a little bit better if I'd have just rode it into the ground but I always enjoyed working on it so I said yes to that dropped out of school and started uh on that path as far as uh my career goes and just being in the right place and working hard um meeting the right people, uh, I, you know, got put in the, the right place for the job and went to Honda of Troy. They were an early uh, private team that kind of was following the footsteps of the pro circuit team um, successful privately owned team um, did a lot of it on their own. Very little factory backing. And uh, I was there for 11 years and then uh, on to Factory Cali when the uh, opportunity arrived, Factory KTM, and then now here at uh, JGRMX.
0: Wow. What a career yeah. already, and I'm looking at your photo on the website, and you look like a pretty young guy. Uh, that is a, a career of a lifetime already to get to this point. And uh, we know, the Coach says, in professional sports, you win with people. You're one of those people that's got to be a pretty big honor
2: yeah sure to uh, to get the opportunity to come here. Um, I'm from the East Coast, and i uh, I had thoughts like how do I move back towards the east Coast to uh, you know be where my relatives are, the rest of my family, and so forth. and it just kind of all fell into place and uh, for sure, coach Gibbs when he uh, when he gave me the opportunity, you know, his son Coy, Founded the motocross team, so meeting with with uh, those two guys was uh, I don't know if it was a dream because I never drafted, but it was amazing to uh, I guess live those those days where you're just considering that opportunity. Pretty amazing.
0: It absolutely is, and that's uh, so many people in this motorsports thing. Uh, exactly that story, right? They just get on this journey, and one day they're in someplace amazing, and they look back and how did. How did we get here? Lake, dive in. Uh, let's let's talk about some of the people that uh, Dean has worked with, built engines for over the years. I know you as a, you know, growing up around NASCAR, you know, drivers and riders, they got that personality, and ultimately they're the one opening and closing the throttle. Dive in here.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting how you said about Dean getting the call from, from Coach Gibbs and, and Coy. Um, I was at Gibbs when they made that decision to, Start the motocross team, and of course, us being a bunch of you know four wheel guys, we're like, "They're doing what?" (laughs) You know, (laughs) but the 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 the, the, I was my office was down in the Nationwide shop, which is where they uh, set up the motocross shop as well, same building. And I remember hearing you know Jeremy and Dean and all those guys you know start showing up and everything. We're like, "Oh, okay, well, you know, they, they came from." Yeah, factory Kawasaki, the Pro Circuit deal. So that was, all we we knew those guys because that was, you know, Bubba Stewart and McGrath and uh, Ricky Carmichael, and I'm I'm not sure exactly who all you got to work with. Then. I just remember showing up, and in the early days it was what like Justin Barsha and Davey Millsaps, and with um, yep. it was uh, the Yamaha <clears throat> deal, and then James Stewart did come. And I remember yep. when you know you guys went in races and, and doing all that. So I just remember, you know, you guys coming in and the learning curve had to be incredibly steep just because you were building an operation from scratch. It, it wasn't like you walked into you know from you and I talking before when we were working together that you go to work for say Factory Kawasaki all those facilities and all those things were in place when you come to give and you're the Yamaha team, everything's new. Yep. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, you know, it was in some ways a good opportunity to, um, take some of the best pieces that you've experienced and, and try to put those into place at the same time. It's kind of uh, be careful what you ask for because now you have a full plate, um, that's kind of a little bit how I felt, you know, it's like, yeah, this is amazing opportunity. Um, starting from scratch, uh, we were able to, uh, put into place some of the, the best tools for, uh, for me to continue learning, um, whether it's dinos, flow benches, uh, you know, other machining type, uh, equipment, um, you know, just pretty much the best cause you're building it brand new. And, uh, it's, like I said, it's a big chunk to bite off, but, uh, also a great opportunity. And that's, that's the way it's been, uh, from day one. So what was
1: it like coming into the Gibbs machine shops? I'm I'm thinking about, I know I've seen you over there (laughs) wearing the machines and things. What was that like? I mean, I guess I've never seen what the factory Kawasaki place was like or anything. Compare where you were to when you first started working in the, over at the Gibbs engine shop, what was that like?
2: Yeah, Yeah, that was, um, that reminds me of uh, when I first sat down with Coy and where I believe we were having breakfast uh, with he and coach. And, you know, he's given me, you know, all the positive things. And he's like, yeah, you can scribble some drawing down on a napkin and we can make it. And I thought, yeah, yeah, you know, that's, kind of the the pitch I would give too but yeah to scratch it on a <laughs> napkin but he was pretty much serious um, which I, I found out after I took the tour of the, the shop and so forth but yeah it's uh, instead of uh, you know one or two manual lays in a in a mill or something like that at my previous jobs um, there was rows and rows of CNC machines and operators you know scurrying about like ants on the floor and uh, pretty much yeah if if you could dream it um they can draw it for real and uh and have you a part um uh, oh yeah know, like john been, riddle
1: right he just yeah he just told yeah. john riddle I, 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 this is what I, what I what I'm wanting and then he'll bring you a, a drawing says you mean like look like this I am yeah, clothes, exactly. man, change this that the next nice thing you know is like they'll bring you over a, a three three d printed part oh here you go, see if that fits
2: yep. Yep, we've. Uh, it's been a, a pretty good list of things that are, you know, new tools at your fingertips that I, I hadn't experienced before. If it's 3D printing, you know, we come up with a, a solid model that um, we now have the capabilities in our motocross shop with uh, Spencer. Um, mm-hmm. He'll he'll draw it up, um, kind of get all my input, send it over to the cup shop. They'll print it out. We'll go. We'll give this plastic part that you know we can actually test fit and then we find out no that's not it you know send it back make adjustments whatever but yeah a lot of a lot of things like that that we've actually had to learn to try to utilize
1: yeah learning curve is pretty yeah it it just those technologies like you said enable you to gain just exponential leaps because the time spent trying to create that part to begin with like I said, on manual yeah. lathe or something like that takes so long. And then the repeatability that when you have that 3D model and Spencer can draw it out and mm-hmm. you print it, now that's a part you can make over and over again. And the, the tolerances are going to be really, really sh- <laughs> small because of yeah, yeah. how you develop that part.
2: Yeah. I was, uh, I could laugh at myself cause I, I have some, uh, some skills that I've attained and honed over the years, but it's, you know, on a on a manual mill or lathe or whatever, it's uh, you know it's tedious work just to get it right, but then to duplicate it was uh, the first one's fun. the, the next, however many, is uh, not so much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, Dean, let me ask you uh, before we get into the hidden horsepower aspect of it. Lake teased us with some of the guys that you may have built uh, engines for in the past. Throw some names out there so the audience can put your uh, engine building prowess with some records that they know.
2: Sure. Um, We earned a few championships when I was at uh, Yamaha of Troy, um, and that was uh, the transition from Honda of Troy to Yamaha's. Um, And we won uh, a couple, four uh, 125 Supercross titles with uh, Ernesto Fonseca, two of those, uh, Stefan Roncada, and then... What most people might be uh, certainly familiar with now is Chad Reed. So that was his first year in the U.S., um, his first championship. I was able to uh, work with him uh, from there. James Stewart, Michael Byrne uh, at Kawasaki, Paul Carpenter. He was our 250 guy. That was uh, what led me to Kawasaki was to be the 250 engine builder there, uh, and then move on to the 450 engine size. Um, James Stewart, uh, here at uh, JGR, Justin Brayton, David Millsaps, our current bunch of guys, uh, Savachi, uh, Freddie Norin. We've had uh, 250 guys: Alex Martin, Jimmy D- Jimmy D, Jimmy Dakotas, Justin Hill, uh, Weston Pike. So a lot of a lot of guys that uh, you know have. I guess, solidified themselves in, I guess, somewhat of history that uh, people always remember them. Some of them, um, you know, would would have liked to achieve more. But uh, it's been uh, it's been a good road.
0: Well, certainly, Davey, uh, Bubba, Chad, these guys, uh, Ernesto, these guys are are names that transcend two wheel racing. If you watch any kind of motorsport show, you're going to hear their names on a regular basis certainly so at that point the racer needs horsepower they want to win they need horsepower what's it like dealing with yep. motocross supercross racers and their demand for power may be compared to what lake is used to dealing with the guys that are on four wheels is it the same
2: i would have to say that there are some similarities um our our types of racing are, are so different being that uh you know we deal with supercross and motocross so those two disciplines are different enough in itself, even though you're, you're, you can look at the motorcycle and go, it's pretty much the same motorcycle. Um, and then, uh, to, for supercross to have to exit a corner and then navigate uh, a triple jump. That's 70 feet or, you know, a a set of whoops or some obstacle like that compared to exit turn two and pin it down into turn three i'm not really sure what that takes but it's uh you know it's pretty much a a drag race i suppose what do you think like
1: well i i've not been to any of the outdoor events but i have been to some of the indoor events and that was the first thing that that struck me when i went to the first uh indoor uh, supercross race was that there's no way those guys could be on throttle for very long other than the very, you know, start of the the race Mm -hmm. to get to to the first turn. It's like, okay, I see there is a drag race at the very beginning, but from that point on, like you said, it's all about using that power to help control the the bike so that you have the inertia you need to make that jump to maintain going across the whoops. It's about control, not about brute force, and was like, oh, this is really different. And then the other thing that that I think is really unique to the type of engines you're building that is very different than most engines on the planet is that the clutch is also inside your engine, and in most of these engines, it shares the same motor oil, which is obviously how you and I start work, working together because yeah. you came to Gibbs. I was the oil guy, and of course, you know, Corey's like, Hey, we, we we make great oil for race cars, and you need to make great oil for us. And, well, okay, we'll, we'll figure <laughs> that out. And that was a huge learning curve of the things we did to make horsepower in a cup engine that didn't have a clutch. Those things didn't work too well <laughs> in the yeah. clutch. Yeah. Uh, it, especially with you, the riders seem to be so different in how they use the clutch. I think talk a little bit about that. Cause I, I think that was the biggest thing I didn't know. I just didn't understand that. Okay. There's a clutch and race clutch and go-karts, but that rider influence yeah. on the clutch is huge.
2: Yeah. The riders, they, uh, they range from <clears throat> um, kind of using the clutch to uh, what I always joke with them it, you know leaving pit road and getting back to the pits and then others are uh complete abusers and uh so that's the abusers are the the ones that are pose the biggest trouble for us is you know we have to try to make everything live in this environment that they're really creating a negative uh situation for the oil to work in the clutch and then lubricate everything uh versus um you know the motocross races they're 35 minutes uh around there so uh, we got guys that can totally destroy the oil in that short period of time so uh, it's uh you know it's it's rider dependent we have uh two different size motorcycles that we race the 250 and the 450 and without having the experience you'd kinda of assume well the little the smaller engine they just uh they they totally abuse that one. But it's not always the case. It's uh it's really um the situation is dependent on uh who's riding it.
1: You now my experience or you we've to, told me and seen in the past is a lot of times the the four fifty because there's there is more power, there's like more opportunity to abuse the clutch.
2: Just if if they're yeah. using
1: it as traction control, essentially.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're they're basically limiting the, the power. Where some of the riders, they'll they'll basically turn the engine on, meaning throttle is to the stop, wide open, and they're using the clutch to determine how much acceleration they want. And then maybe on the flip side, you'll have a guy that barely touches the clutch, and he's he's mo- he's modulating. The power with just the throttle position, and uh, so we've had we've had both types of guys, and you know everybody in between. Um, so it's it's trying to there's multiple parts in there too to try to make things work where it's different uh, clutch plates which have different uh, amounts of of surface that would give you mm-hmm. grip. Um, there's also different materials that give you a different amount of grip then we have different uh spring rates and uh for the clamping force on the clutch back, uh different ratios for the clutch lever and the the clutch arm that are down the case so it's different rates of lift and so forth to try to try to come up with the best uh combination for this you know said rider um that uh, abuses it, so we try to try to figure out what we can do to make it live a little bit longer. Of course, their help <laughs> would be appreciated, but right. if, <laughs> of course. if that's if that, that's the way they ride, then we have to figure out how to how to provide the longevity of those parts uh, and let them let the rider do what they do best, which is ride it however they ride it.
1: And I'm sure you've probably seen guys who can win races. That do it both ways. That there's not only one path of oh, power exactly. management to winning a race.
2: Yeah, we try to influence that a little bit, but then eventually you realize that you know that this guy got here up team because he goes really fast. He's been doing it this way, and we try to needle a little bit, but you kind of realize that you know that's that's the way they do it, and we try to comment like that.
1: I remember you saying at one point when we were talking about some of the different you know oils for the clutches and how the clutches perform, the key was keeping the same consistency in the clutch because some of those guys, if they start to feel the clutch go away, now they start thinking about the clutch. And you don't want them sure. thinking. You want them just driving. Or they just got to ride. Yeah. Ride the bike. Mm-hmm. Don't think about the clutch. Mm-hmm. And the, mo- the moment the clutch starts to fade, now they're thinking about it. Now they're just not – having that muscle memory just taking over and, and doing it. So have you found over time that between, say, rider A and rider B, that you need to tune the engine differently as one of the tools to managing the horsepower? Because it kind of sounds like the what we've always looked at is you, well, you want to make as much power as you can because that way you have it when you need it. But really, this is more of an es- a sport that's about power management than it is just making peak power.
2: Sure, yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of factors involved there. There's um, besides the rider, it's uh, you know the the ground, the terrain that you're riding on. What's the uh, you know supercross? They bring in all different types of dirt. Uh, it can change from year to year for each of, each of the venues, and, and then the outdoors we tend to see you know, the same dirt year after year because it's, uh, you know, natural terrain and the track's always same place, there. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, the you know, and, and actually the nationals, they, they start to bring in, like, some sand so that uh, maybe in bad weather that the ground's able to absorb a little bit more of the water or the rain. And uh, so it changes a little bit. But, uh, yeah, we usually try to get as much power as we can, and then try to tailor it to the rider's likings. Um, previous earlier, I mentioned that we have the two different size engines, 250 and 450. So, max power is really important on the on the 250. Um, you know, one horse can make the difference where you know your rider and bike actually looks tons better than the competition. Where the 450, everyone is. We can make the bike too aggressive for the rider. So, on that in that class, we kind of tend to do more tailoring of or massaging of the power or focus on the delivery. Um, there's lots of things that we can do to kind of tame it down, but still maintain the high output. And the 250, it's all that we can get almost all the time. And then maybe we work at the individual tracks to try to make uh, traction or maintain traction uh, a little bit easier for the rider. Because yeah, the tracks can get slick, and then it's difficult to to put the power down to the ground. And but uh, the the four fifties we uh, we do a lot there, where the it's a, to a lesser extent on the two fifties.
0: On that note, uh, working with Lake and and the guys at Total Seal to make that max power, uh, how have they been in terms of, you know, how experimental do you get with these things? How is it different? I know ring seal is important no matter what, um, but you guys are in a totally different environment, as in you're in the air, or you're uh, just the the dynamics on the engine are totally different. Sounds almost kind of marine in that uh, you guys are— undulating these bikes and these engines so to maintain ring seal what are you doing how closely are you working with total seal and how have they been in terms of your creativity
2: well their their technology that they're able to offer us um you know has been a uh an eye opener for myself and uh you know typically we'll will go with a uh, we have a a piston sponsor let's say and they provide a ring and it works really well well now i have some options to plug in there and uh you know now, now it, instead of relying on the, the engineers on the piston side now we're kind of starting to control some of the direction of what the piston and ring combination are able to provide so um it's, you know, like it's, it's been a, a pretty good learning curve for me to kind of understand how critical all these measurements are, um, clearances, so forth. Um, Total Seal has some new technologies that we've actually been able to try to implement um, over the traditional uh, piston ring, and uh, so you know, being able to quantify that and you know, dyno it and durability test it. Uh, all that stuff's actually in a uh, in process like on a, on a daily basis for us now that that's uh, become available to us.
1: And that's been a huge learning curve for me too Joe is that me being still fairly new at Total Seal being able to you know call Dean you know we, my office was two doors down from him at Gibbs to be able to come over and say, okay, here, let's, here's what we have, let's talk about let's think about what we have, let's try testing these things, trying the different um, combinations is, for my learning curve, really gives me, like Dean was sa- mentioned about the, the clearances and the surface finishes and how critical they are to the performance of the engine. The, what we've done this summer in some testing has really opened my eyes and helped move my learning curve way up. And I can't thank him enough for that because that's part of this, you know, hidden horsepower adventure. Is we're all trying to figure out how to make more power from our engines, for be it power management or just, like I said, drag racing, just straight out max power because I can hook it to the ground. You, you can read all this stuff in the book, and you can hear people lecture about things like back clearance and what effect that has on ring seal and. Reversion, but until you put it in the engine and actually try it, it's just theory. It's being able to literally put a ring or an exhaust or or whatever it is on the engine, in the engine, and then put it in the dyno and then do your back to back comparisons. That's where theory becomes a reality. And that's what's awesome about being able to. To continue to work with guys like Mark Cronquist and Dustin and Dean and all the different people who are at Gibbs that I've known for so many years to be able to utilize those tools that they have there which are the best because coach gave everybody the very best to work with and then be able to take that and action it and learn from it it's fun it's just I can't I can help it it's so much fun to be able to do that and thankful for Dean for giving us the opportunity to do research work because at this point that's what we're doing we're just doing research work trying to find out what is the next best thing for the future and i'd say one thing and dean can comment on it we've already kind of learned is that when you start playing around with some of these different ring technologies and designs it's like you have to redesign the whole piston again it's not just like a well i just put this ring on piston a and all of a sudden it's the best thing i've ever seen it's I'm sure that happened somewhere to somebody in time, but that's not been my experience so far. No, <laughs> it's been like, it just no, makes been, you have uh, more questions, right?
2: Yeah. It's been, it's been a, a learning uh, curve for sure. Like you say, it's uh, I, I anticipated that we would, we would hit on something uh, pretty easily, but it's been, uh, you know, here's uh session one. Okay. We learned all this. Okay. We will come back for another dino time and, and then over and over and over and it's uh yeah it just keeps building and building and it's there's nothing like uh learning by doing and uh without having those options available to us then you know we'd miss out on this uh this learning opportunity to to know what our engine wants and needs more intimately um you know it's kind of like like i mentioned before it was you know, you take a piston and a ring from a particular manufacturer, and that works really well together. Okay, um, do we want to be just plugging in that part, or can we be, you know, a tick better? And, and that's what we've been hunting down is those little bits each time.
0: Very good. It's uh, It's something that we've learned on the show that— these guys will come up with some ideas that the engine builders might not think is the best idea initially. And they're like, is this going to work? Is this ring too thin? And, and it turns out to work. And not only did that, but they end up finding some horsepower and it's kind of interesting to hear it in your application. Um, uh, you know, talk a little bit about the two cycle to four cycle switch over that you guys had to go through. I'm sure that presented some challenges.
2: Sure. Um, that was a, a unique opportunity for myself because, um, When, uh, when I was at Honda of Troy, um, that was early to late nineties and everything was two stroke. Um, and so, you know, everyone was pretty comfortable with what it took to make a two stroke fast, reliable, durable. Um, and we didn't know any different and, uh, towards the the end of the 90s, uh, actually it was 2000, I believe, Yamaha uh, released the first uh, four-stroke motocross bike, um, and bikes, like, I don't know how far it was before I was interested in motorcycles, probably before I was born, they started out as four-strokes because they were just, uh, I guess, more like, uh, dual purpose type bikes that were made to run off-road like a scrambles bike. Not really familiar with that too much other than, you know, history books, but the current, uh, generation at that time was just, it, everything was two strokes and it was, that's just the way it was. Um, so when Yamaha released that, um, that new 250 two sh- uh, four stroke for motocross, um, I was at Yamaha Troy and so we were the, the team that got all the support, um, all the inside information so that this bike was received well, it was competitive, it wasn't seen as you know, a trail bike that was converted to a motocross bike. Um, it was a legit um, built for a motocross type bike. And so typically the four stroke was really heavy uh, engine and so they they trimmed it down they they made the, the the chassis was similar very similar to what the two strokes were already running there were some things that they had to accommodate for the, the engine height so forth for the packaging but it was uh you know it was a legitimate motocross bike so i was in a, a great position to learn firsthand um to. You know, one of the first in the industry to kind of start getting that experience. And uh, that led to uh, me being hired at, at Kawasaki because their bike was starting to uh, go through the prototype phase of development. And so when that bike was released, I would be there so forth to to bring it into the racing arena. Um, but the transition from two to four stroke it was like uh most people wanted like nothing to do with it hands off there's a bunch of parts in there it's scary looking um nobody was familiar with it you know it was like instead of looking at an engine it's no longer it's got different parts so um it was a bit of a learning curve for me of course because i, I had as much experience as everyone else which was zero but i did have people uh, at yamaha that that took me under their wing and you know, showed me everything that that they could um, to ensure that their bike was received well and, of course, uh, you know, was durable, reliable, so forth. And then um, the other manufacturers followed suit two or three years later, and and then here it is. You know, that's all that exists now is um, four-strokes.
0: And there you have it. Very interesting. And uh, that's got to be cool to be on the cutting edge of a move like that. Uh, Lake, getting late in the show. Any final thoughts, any final questions you want to throw out there on the table for Dean? Is there any territory that we have failed to cover? Obviously, building power for this style of racing has got to be, uh, you know, I don't see these engines blow up very often. That's one thing that I could tell you. Maybe they do, but I don't notice. Uh, anything you want to ask Dean before we go late? Well, yeah,
1: going back to the two-cycle versus four-cycle what do you, your from your experience? What was the the strengths of the two cycle, and what did you when you went to the four cycle? Obviously, the like you said, the infinite more parts, and all of a sudden now you have this wet clutch, and every it was so incredibly different. When you think about a two cycle, I'm just thinking about some of our uh, cart motors we have now and you know my dad's old vintage stuff what those things air cooled and how different they are compared to a four cycle engine it just for what your your personal experiences and thoughts okay what are the strengths of the two cycle where were they short and then what were the things about the four cycle they were like oh this is really a cool new tool that we couldn't do before with the two cycle
2: yeah the uh the two strokes were, um, I would say as far as an, from an engine builder, uh, perspective, the two strokes were definitely more hands on where, um, like I mentioned earlier, like I, I had to, to hone some skills on the lathe. So we were cutting our own heads and combustion chambers, um, you know, cylinders, decking cylinders, cutting the base, machining, uh, our own engine cases. Um, then you have the port work that you're doing by hand. Um, that was one of the things that, uh, or those are all the things I had to kind of learn as I, um, progressed through the years, as far as, uh, being an engine builder, um, those all, all those things kind of fell on my plate. And so, you know, you, you just, start working at it and that's how that uh how those skills are tested and uh, of course we want to want to have the best engine so the the drive to keep doing that and make it better and make it better um was there and it's i don't know i just i can't say enough about the two-stroke days that um that it was really fun Uh, Really enjoyed that that time. And the two-stroke, the strength of the two-stroke engine was kind of like being able to change those um, yourself, hands-on. If there was something I wanted to change in the head, i just do it. Um, Right. That kind of uh, flexibility, I guess. Um, And, of course, the two-stroke we could make competitive horsepower with today's four strokes when you're talking about peak numbers but it's kind of a losing battle when you when you do compare uh, a dyno curve from one to the other where the four stroke now um, pretty much has it beat hands down um, for you know when you take one application if it's supercross motocross of course if you go off-road riding, um, enduro type stuff. All this that I'm claiming, you could say that okay, it's different because there's, you know, there's guys racing two-strokes predominantly in, in some of those series. But for our application, um, we need a lot of torque exiting the corners so that we can have usable high levels of power and and it's tractable. So the four-stroke just has this unbelievable torque curve that the two-stroke does not have and right. um, so that that just lends itself to our type of racing uh in comparison to the best days of the two strokes the four strokes which is you know it's a heavier motor there's more parts all that stuff it's now competitive with those weights um so the you know the four stroke it's it's The strength is in the torque um and i guess the difference as far as an engine builder being able to change some of that stuff like i was kind of touting on with uh, the two-stroke was you know yeah i can change the cam timing but i can't really maybe come up with a cam same day i have to go to our cam supplier and you know, or maybe I have a cam sitting on the shelf. But as far as really making something new, um, it takes time. You have to go to the right. cam supplier, or so forth. Um, the head work, yeah, I can do that stuff here. Um, so I, I guess a lot of it is—I mean—a big part of the forehook is the cam, and, and that's what I kind of maybe get tied up on—is um, is that it's not as easily to to just come up with. A totally new setting because the cam is basically what the ports are to the two-stroke
1: yeah exactly the valve train of the four cycle that it it is it's the same thing as the port timing and like you said you can
2: go if you want to change port
1: timing and raise the exhaust port you could do it yourself that same
2: day yeah that's that's grinding a new cam forget about biggest influence on on the the two engines
0: Interesting, yeah. interesting. I, I used to work at a watercraft dealership, and that was my experience with two-stroke stuff. And it was, uh, you know, black magic.
2: <laughs> yeah. Very... Black magic is the electronics now. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, no. Exactly. Well, another
1: thing you, you, you got to, to go through, right? You went from two cycles to four cycles. and went from carburetors to EFI. You've seen it
2: all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Those are the guys yep, that get and, uh, flown in, and they get the big bucks. <laughs>
2: that's what they say.
0: There's,
2: <laughs> there's a saying or something. like that. Well,
1: I, I will say this: I, I gotta give Dean credit because it wasn't that long ago we were having one of those test days, and I, I made a very bonehead mistake. But we didn't realize it was. <laughs> this is the a funny a story mistake. about Lake
2: that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. all right, cool. Uh,
1: and uh, we're sitting there yeah we made a made a sweep on the dyno with the change we had just made, and man, wow, I mean the engine just got pig rich it's like i mean crazy rich. <laughs> we are thinking, man, that was that, how how could it have changed that much and I was like well the I'm room the back room yeah the getting, room getting kind of foggy out there going
2: up with with blue smoke,
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so to, to give Dean a little bit of credit, though, for his EFI skills, he's like, okay, looked at the air fuel ratio, and he's like, all right, pull the laptop out, and work on uh, different tables, he makes some table adjustments, and loads the new program in, and fires it back up, and make a run, and man, just on just one shot at it, nailed the air fuel ratio, just <laughs> curves right back. Well, engine lost even more power. And we're like, what in the world is going on? Man, all we did was change, you know, rings. Well, actually, we changed the piston. But see, that's the thing: we changed the piston and we changed one ring. So the problem (laughs) is the piston. These motorcycle engines they have two rings. So if you forget the oil control ring. Uh.
2: Yeah, you have it, no it doesn't oil control. Really
1: control the oil, <laughs> <laughs> and it might turn a four cycle into looking like a two cycle in the dyno room. And then all that extra hydrocarbon from the oil may tell the O2 sensor that the engine is rich. In fact, it's actually not rich on fuel. You just need to have a better uh, engine guy in the room with the head engine builder. They we can remember to put the oil control ring on the piston. And we did that, and it fixed it, and then he had to put the air-fuel ratio back, and everything was good. So there you go. There's your, your I'm-a-dummy story.
0: There it is. We got yeah, one.
2: Yeah, I, I share part of that responsibility because, uh, you know, I'm I'm sliding the cylinder onto the piston and didn't even notice. It, it went on really easy, I guess.
0: Listen, this – That low-friction ring. <laughs> people learn from other – to be able to learn from other people's mistakes is a – Great thing, and so now everyone is going to remember this one. Yeah, well,
1: I, I told my son this morning. I, I've done more of my learning from the
0: mistakes I've made
1: than from watching other people. So I, I keep, and I'm 48, and I still haven't figured out how to learn differently. But that's the reason why I keep on. We were at my dad's today on the dyno this morning doing some work because that's that's how I learn. If I don't go in there and try. I probably won't make, bump my head on the wall, and then I won't learn something. But that's how you learn, is my <laughs> keep trying.
2: That's right.
0: Try to avoid making the same mistake twice. Dean, this has been a yes. great episode, and uh, I really appreciate what you have laid out on the table. But at the end of every episode of Hidden Horsepower... I like to assume that we have new listeners and a new generation of people that want to be involved, seeking out the website, seeking out the podcast, specifically to try to gain some knowledge, Uh, not just great entertainment, but gain some knowledge. And so I ask all of our engine builders and guests, if they have any advice they would like to throw out to the next generation, uh, a way to get from where they are to where they want to be, something in the engine shop, who knows what... Direction you might take on this, but if you have any advice for the folks out there, let's hear it.
2: Sure um, I would say that uh, you know if you if you first need to gain the mechanical skills, so a mechanic school of your choice um, and then if it's uh you know if you if you're in love with supercross motocross or or road racing or car racing whatever it might be, then get involved somehow because there's nothing like learning if you're given the chance to have hands-on experience.
0: Excellent. Excellent stuff, and I totally agree, and that is right in line with uh, a lot of the things others have said. There's no substitute to being in there and getting it done that way. Dean, thank you very much. You've been great, very illuminating, the whole world of Joe Gibbs racing, motocross, the racing team, all of that. You know, I didn't ask you, though, an uncomfortable question. Maybe I should. So who is the GOAT? Like, really, though. Like, you, you've you been there. You've been in the middle of it. When people have the big argument <laughs> and the debate about McGrath and Carmichael and Bubba and all of these guys. Do you want to weigh in there? Do you want to go there?
2: Uh, the greatest of all time, Supercross? Yeah. McGrath. McGrath. All right. He said it. He's on the and, record. And, uh, yeah, the GOAT of motocross ricky so i guess there's got to be two two crowns
0: i like it i like it and (laughs) i like the fact that you did that you answered the question you did not try to slither out of it which i i greatly uh, appreciate uh dean thank you very much lake final thought i
1: just thank for dean being on and just thanks for everybody for listening if you've made it this far in this episode we (laughs) appreciate you uh, hanging (laughs) on to the very bitter end uh there you go. But it's a lot of fun. Again, Dean, thanks for coming on. Joe, thanks for making this happen. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks for
0: having me. There he goes. Dean Baker, head engine builder, Joe Gibbs Racing Motocross Lake. That was great. You say the bitter end, but I think people, you know, you're in the middle of it. You're the one in the dino room making mistakes and causing problems. But I think that's entertaining and uh, a way for people to learn on these podcasts.
1: Well, I hope so because, again, Dean's a great guy to have on the show uh, for me because, like I said, we were were two offices down from each other in the building, so we were back and forth all the time on the – they had two different dynos there. They had the big engine dyno over at the cup shop, which is the AC unit dyno with the controlled air and all the fancy stuff, and then we had the little chassis dyno down at the nationwide shop where the motocross shop was. And so we were back and forth testing all kinds of different engines on those things for oil development or you know, clutch development or engine development. So he's a guy I've known, worked with really closely for a long time. So he, he seemed at my best and my worst. So he was pretty kind to of me today, actually.
0: That's great. Yeah, the embarrassing story was, uh, was, it was good. But I know that there's more. Uh, Lake, for the audience out there who are looking for that hidden horsepower, building an engine, a bracket engine, or they're an engine builder and they're looking to uh, to find some great customer service, uh, where should they go? And I'm hitting you guys uh, heavily on this brand new website. I'm looking at it now. It's such a huge step forward for people who are looking to find, whether it be rings or tools or otherwise, even Total Seal swag, you guys have got it. Uh, Where should people go if they want to find out more information?
1: So TotalSeal.com, that's the new website you're talking about, and we do, we have all the different families of rings. You know, a lot of people know us for gapless rings, but we do way more than just gapless rings. We do way more than just racing. So then horsepower isn't just a racing thing. I mean, we do rings for airplanes. We do them for antique tractors and 1907 Benz engines, you know, restoration things and air compressors. So that's the great thing about guys like having Keith Jones and Bobby and Kevin on the phones back at the office in Phoenix. These guys have over a hundred years of experience combined, uh, owning machine shops, building engines, doing work for, All those from, you know, form the one to an antique tractor, they've done it all. They've got some experience. So whatever you're working on, you know, you can begin your your process at TotalSeal.com. You can review the different kind of packages we have. We've got an online uh, catalog. You can look up parts. If you're just looking for, you know, a 16th, 16th, 316th ring package for your 30 over small block Chevy or small block Ford, then the part numbers are right there. You can look them up and you you can go order them. Or if you got something more special and you really want a customized ring package, then you can give us a call, 623-587-7400, and one of those guys will be happy to help you
0: out. Excellent. Great job, Lake. I look forward to the next one. We didn't blow anything up this time, but we learned a lot, and I think we've got a whole new audience. Those motocross, supercross guys, they are as part of motorsport as anything else. In fact, in many ways, their competition is as intense as anything, maybe more so. Really appreciated that he also went there. Am oh I? Who is the GOAT question? Lake, great job. Thank you so much. Thanks,
1: Joe. Appreciate it, sir.
0: He's Lake Speed Jr. I'm Joe Costello. You can follow me at WFO Joe on Instagram and on Twitter. We're bringing you the best. We're finding the hidden horsepower. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love if you would write a review. Maybe give us a five stars if you think we're worth it. Spotify, SoundCloud, you can find the show anywhere. And tell your friends. Share it on social media. And like Lake said early in the show, new Facebook page. For Hidden Horsepower. We want to hear from you. We're going to keep finding the best of the best in the engine building world and interviewing and pulling out those great stories right here on Hidden Horsepower.